0: Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes.
1: Welcome to the Lovecraft tapes. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a horror role playing game based upon the fictional works of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown were. Brian as Jack Whiteside.
2: I am Jack Whiteside, Special Agent.
1: Gabe as Roy Arroyo. It is me. The Roy of this podcast. And Matt as Rocky Royal.
0: Ah, yes. The most intelligent one on this podcast, clearly.
3: High IQ alert.
2: Hi, IQ.
1: Welcome, everybody. Uh, tonight, we will be answering listener-submitted questions regarding our recently completed scenario, Chapter 8, Tryst. Spoiler alert now, we'll be discussing all the nitty-gritty details of this adventure, so if you haven't listened yet or caught up, I highly recommend you go back to Episode 69, <laughs> nice, <laughs> and start there. I gotta go. Now, before we begin, we do need to thank our current patrons as of this recording, who have contributed to the podcast via Patreon.com/slash/lovecrafttapes. Your monetary support has helped pay for hosting, editing, software, music, sound effects, and other costs associated with production. Students at Miskatonic include Eric sederberg Oystein Boiler, Bifford, Dom Driver, D.W. Jeffrey Young. Jeremy Griffith, Milk Mix, Rolling Box Cars, and Snow. Our professors of Miskatonic are Brittany Davis, Lobster Johnson, Anthony Imes, Brownie Davis, Daniel Caprone, Daniel Hissey, David Winterman, Eric Phillips, Eric Miles, Eric Zane, Frank Delventhal, John Imray, Malambra57, Manda McCall, Mitch L, Olda Polkert, Quizzik. Sebastian Losansky, Sean, Tadashi Katsuran, Wouter Vermeyen. Investigators of the Unknown are Chris Parker and Elizabeth Grieve. Mystics of the Occult are Daniel Ivy and Geordie Rose. And cultists of the Starry Wisdom include Ravens in the Attic and the Demir Lobotivists. And finally, Zach, who is on the chat right now, Our one and only Old One. We thank everybody for making this podcast possible, and cheers to you. Now, dear investigators, we recap Chapter 8, Trist.
0: Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes.
1: Rescued from Bloodsworth Island by Rocky Arroyo, Jack and Roy reluctantly team up with the oddly cultivated brother and his manservant, Declan, to continue their search for Dan Williams. It seems the lovelorn former security guard might have unwittingly fallen into the hands of cultists intent upon bringing about the destruction of the world. You know, the huge. <laughs> Clues lead to the inhabited island of Tristan da Cunha, where a series of murders embroils the investigators in a strange plot seemingly coordinated by Fatherly Summers, a secret follower of Dagon. Forced up the side of a volcano and nearly killed several times, the quartet of Dugaters reaches the summit, only to be confronted with a sinister game that ends catastrophically. All right, let's get to the questions. Uh And basically, I've got a bunch here submitted by everybody. And uh, I'm just going to start at the top and strike them off as we go along. And then uh, we'll get to you guys as well. From Brittany Davis, can you elaborate on what the Reverend did to Jack? Now, I believe uh, Jack was in this when you were sleepy sleep?
2: Yes, I was. <laughs> or actually dying? I was dying, yeah. And I agreed, I agreed that uh, um, I would do anything. He said, what, what will you do? And I said anything to save my life.
1: And that's essentially it. We, we sort of took that. Basically, in my mind, uh, he somehow infused Jack with the DNA or some sort of serum to make him part deep one. So that you know he would heal Past the the point of almost dying, but we d- we don't know for hundred percent sure. It's really a nebulous thing that I use as a plot hook.
2: I grasped more as we were going up the mountain that um, that I felt some connection to some of the stuff that we encountered.
1: And, and I wanted to keep it like relatively nebulous to begin with because I thought, okay, this will be a nice little seed that I can spring on him in two chapters from now. Ha ha! You're a frog. The climax where you guys were all up at the uh, volcano lake. The thing sort of came out. Yeah, where you know I, I needed to have that that fun repartee with the host of the game show all right let's move on to uh here's a one from many lost hours for brian oh would jack have left the fbi to join rocky's company if he had been asked working with rocky looked to be a better match for him given his occult past but jack seems so duty-led that it could be a close-run thing
2: boy i never thought of it he would be tempted to go just for the the resources alone, uh, maybe a little bit more selfish than than anything else, because Jack would be able to basically accomplish everything he's wanted to. Finding Dan being being the priority, but uh, beyond that, understanding and knowing everything that he's had questions about his whole life. So yeah, I I, I think maybe he'd be really tempted by that to to go that route because it is still an agency, even though it's you know they're they're fighting for the good supposedly. So Matt, uh, Brittany Davis wants to know what were your original plans for Dan.
0: Iceland. Originally, a he was Irish, not Scottish. I don't know what you got. I don't. I don't know where you got that one from, Jeremy. Other than the fact that y- your accents aren't the best. Let's be honest. That's true. <laughs> um, That's but so true. Originally, he wasn't a wall of muscle either. Originally, had him planned as um, an ex IRA. Soldier. He was uh, a con man. Declan was my first attempt at the the criminal within the two FBI agents idea that eventually became the one chapter with detox, where I thought it'd be it'd be an interesting dynamic to have someone on the opposite side working between these two people who were bound by by law to do certain things certain ways, and then to have a, a third person in there who could move in and out of those boundaries whenever he wanted. So yeah, he was originally an ex IRA Irish con man who is going to kind of worm his way in between these two
1: all right uh gabe many lost hours wants to know do you feel cheated that roy didn't get an on podcast end
3: no because i'm the longest living so i win no matter what and i know (laughs) that uh it's all gonna work out because i'm what sells the tickets and he can't dump
1: me Uh, Okay, and sort of a a adjunct to that, now that Roy has gone to the great screen door inn in the sky, how did his family cope, mourn, or celebrate? The freaking mutes were all really happy, but other than them,
3: all my family, they all got together, they uh, played some D'Angelo in my honor, and... Just sat around and cried or watching Sports Center. Scott Van Pelt gave him a shout out because they called in so incess- incessantly that they had to just do something to get the Arroyos to stop calling.
1: All right, uh, so here we get some questions for everybody, so we can all chime in on this one. Chris Parker, what one time period or location would you love to explore as a player or keeper?
2: Twenty four eighty six. <laughs> just kidding. I liked the past. I thought the past was pretty freaking cool. Anything before cell phones really modern technology type stuff i thought that was cool cuz you had to you couldn't just like call up another player and say hey come over to the library you had to get in a car and travel and tell them what you found and debrief and i thought that was cool anywhere from 1800s up to 50s 60s maybe
0: you joked about 2048 i think that'd be a great idea we've seen lovecraftian horror set in the 1800s but imagine lovecraftian horror plus cyberpunk technology you know now you have you know you go far into the future you have you know implants and replacements and little computers in your brain and what happens when you start seeing things is that you know is there something really there or is there somebody hacking into your brain causing problems i think trying to mix that that type of that lovecraftian style of horror with the the question of you know when are you human and when do you not become human is there too much you know technology are you a cyborg or whatnot would be a really interesting concept to explore
3: by the cyberpunk rpg then
1: That'd be cool just because we'd be able to create a lot of lore. And, and I think that that's actually the hurdle and um, uh, b- because that stuff doesn't exist yet and we only have referential materials mm-hmm. and, and science fiction literature and other games, you know, so like Cyberpunk, that it, it's still, there's not much of a touch point for listeners. So I resist personally, even though I love science fiction horror like Event Horizon, to me it would, it would have to be a very specific story and it, it's rough for me to think about having something like that be an ongoing thing. You know, there's a reason that Jason X is like one movie in the masterpiece uh, theater of all the Friday the 13th movies. Jason X stands alone as the one sort of like science uh, fiction-y future movie. And I'm perfectly happy in the modern thing because I've never really liked the 1920s or Gaslight era. It doesn't really spark my imagination. To me, that's not scary. And so, to me, it's, it's trying to find a a modern equivalent for horrific things to be happening that could be real like as close to real as you can get it right mm-hmm. that, that's
3: that's been my philosophy i got the best answer the one that i'd like to do the most is solving crimes in the disco 70s the bell-bottom badasses fashion crimes <laughs> You know how much cocaine the Arroyo family ingested (laughs) in that
1: era? (laughs) I love it. That would be fun, actually. As a one-off, that'd be hilariously fun.
2: It's all the Arroyo brothers get together and solve a crime.
1: Let's move along, and uh, we have a question from Bifford. If you could choose an insanity to gain, either temporarily or permanently, what would you choose?
2: Probably be afraid of plants. That's been done? (laughs) Yes.
3: The one that I think I'd have the most fun doing, because I basically do it anyway, would just be like an insane, intense delusion of grandeur where i believe that everything that's going on is about me
0: oh yeah that was good go full narcissist
1: like godlike complex in the movies i've always really liked the the person who thinks that they can ward off evil by drawing symbols everywhere even on their own skin yeah i like like that sort of thing like an
2: invincibility feeling yeah that would be cool too until you get killed BCP
1: asks me how much writing goes into your campaign in terms of pages and time spent on it. So it's a lot, a lot of writing. So in terms of each episode that you hear, it is generally two single space pages worth of things. Whether that's snippets that I think are going to occur, I try to uh, plan for any other actions, introductory text for people or places or whatever. But so each episode gets at least two single space written pages. Um, Then you have the epilogue and the prologue, so those get a lot more, but that's all fiction, so I write pretty heavily into that. As far as time spent working on it, you can bet that setup is usually about three hours for every episode. The editing at the other end of it is about eight to 12 hours of editing. So it's it's pretty substantial. You know, like we, we get together and we record something and it's usually about two, two and a half hours. So we do a little pre-show and then we do a little cleanup at the end. So all told, each episode has 15, 20 hours into it. So it's pretty time intensive and and, but I think hopefully the quality comes through, and that you guys enjoy that part of it. So all right. for me, it's a it's it's okay. Yeah. That's all right. BCP also wants to know how much did the players derail your plans in Chapter Eight? A little bit, for sure. I mean, for the for the most part, the mystery was set up to begin with. So, of all the ones that I've designed or run, this one was probably the least open ended because they're in a very isolated island. Even though they weren't railroaded, at a certain point, it was fate that they had to go a certain way. So, for instance, uh, it was already set up that if they drank too much of the beer, then they could potentially. Go Insane that uh, was going to be a weak point for them. And of course, Roy went straight there, <laughs> straight for the beer, <laughs> which straight for the beer, straight for the like do, doing too much of the beer, even yeah. with warnings yeah. and and he effects.
3: designed that knowing that it would happen. He's, yeah, he, he's he's going to try and act like he didn't single me out, but he definitely did.
1: <laughs> anybody could have went in there when you guys split up, you know, so it yeah. could have been anybody to stumble upon that. It worked out for the best, but that also led to Jack getting shot yeah. and almost. Dying, which also led to him being saved at the last minute by Father Uh, Summers. You know, there was a lot there that was unplanned, and it didn't necessarily derail the plans because uh, I'll let you guys on a little, another little secret here. So even though I have a basic concept of the scenario, like the beginning and the and the the, uh, ending, each episode is plotted as we go along. So I incorporate what was done. The last time and slightly shift the flow of the plot or the, or the things that are opened up in the plot. I find that's been my most comfortable way to plan these sessions out. And it's worked out pretty well because I can kind of, the tempo is I can get a pretty good cliffhanger at the end of each episode. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a really good rhythm for me. So for the most part, the scenarios are being written as they're played out, except for the main core. So I, I plot around that. I introduce other characters that weren't there at the beginning, and and so forth.
2: Like the volcano.
1: Like the volcano was never there. <laughs> never there. No uh, surprise. We got one for Matt from Brittany Davis. Was Rocky purposefully added, or were you fed up with losing characters and decided to add some extra drama?
0: I- understood when i started call of cthulhu that character death is something that is nigh on inevitable at some point you're gonna lose a character is it frustrating losing you know multiple characters in a row or at the end of the at the end of seven with detox i was enjoying where i was with that character and it made it really hard to kind of let go because i was really enjoying that and i wanted to keep going with it as much as i want to you know to be mad about it it's it's something that happens and you just got to kind of keep going as for where rocky came from it started i believe that started as a joke where i was i had a different kind of character plan i think it was it was either brian or gabe who made the joke that i should make an arroyo brother and it took a bit of convincing to, <laughs> with of jeremy to, to kind of let me create that character mm-hmm. It was an interesting road to to creating Rocky because I've uh, had a couple other I have a couple of leftover character designs that I've kind of stashed away on my own. I've like a private game in Roll20 solely for the purpose of creating characters and I still have a couple of half-baked character designs floating around at some point or another. So I always have something kind of ready and waiting to go. He
3: had to consult me for a lot of a royal lore. <laughs>
0: I had to make sure it fit in with the the Arroyo family. Gabe,
1: Bifford wants to know, choose between A, a classic but tattered screen door, or B, a shiny new but soulless screen door, which is a limited edition. I'm going to say right off the bat that I'd take both
3: because it's a world where you can control your own destiny. But if you (laughs) had to pick one, I would take the classic book, Tattered Screen Door, because I love the feeling of repairing it back to full health and that sense of accomplishment that is brought alongside that.
1: That's right. Nurse that baby back to health, you just pop out your boob and... <laughs> <laughs> yep,
3: exactly <laughs> like Welcome to
0: this that. week's episode of This Old Screen Door.
1: It's like a cheese
2: grater against his nipple.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, Many Lost Hours, wants to know, what was the plan
2: for the tentacle in the bathtub before Roy got trigger happy? Well... Um, I was told I'm not able to discuss that pending lawsuit. So many questions
3: end like that <laughs> before Roy shot it. What was the plan <laughs> dot
2: dot dot before Roy shot it? Uh, we were going to uh, take samples and I think send them off to a lab. It was the, was my plan. Got to keep it fresh. After that, we were probably just going to go like on a week's vacation or something to the Bahamas. Just get to know each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, so, that's the yeah, best yeah. way. Vacation. Take it slow. Yeah. We'll take it slow. yeah.
0: See if, yeah. see if the tentacle really likes pina coladas and getting caught in the rain.
2: Yeah. Well, the rain, for sure, it's, keeps it moist.
0: If it's, it's not into <laughs> yoga, if it has half a brain.
1: Our Polner wants to know, how did I get into brewing? Well, I mean, obviously, I like beer, and I was always really interested in like how that was created. So I think as somebody got me a Mr. Beer Kit one Christmas. I think it might have been my wife. I I made a beer. It was horrible. I made a second beer, which was good. And then I got really interested. I was like, well, I like this one beer from Shorts, the Bel Air Brown. What do they use? So I, I researched it and went on forums, and I was like, oh, they use this one particular kind of yeast. And I went to homebrew shops, and I was like, You can actually buy that yeast. I immediately attempted it and it turned out great. And it was like the third batch I made, and I was in love with brewing from that moment forward. And, of course, from there, I've taken it, and I actually got out of it for quite some time. When we had our condo, I just didn't really have the room to do it. So I gave up all the stuff, and I think it was a good space of like 10 years, something like that. And then, of course, once we got our house here, I ponied up for a a real kit, like all-grain brewing, and I just I really like it. I do, too. I mean, the product is amazing. Now, how
2: I got started in is I got my brother's old Mr. Beer kit. And I made batch after batch that sucked ass, and I never will brew again by myself. I don't have the scientific talent for that.
1: All right, we've got a bunch of questions here from Quizzic. How much freedom do you have when making your character and coming up with the backstories? Or do you work closely with Jeremy during the background building process to make sure it fits the setting and doesn't go too overboard?
2: I could take that with Jack Whiteside. I basically did the whole thing and ran with it and then just let him look it over to make sure we were covered.
0: Like I said earlier when I was talking about Rocky, there was a a bit of consulting and contrived reasoning to try and get Rocky to try and allow Rocky as an Arroyo Brother character but by and large when i do like with detox it was like hey i have this idea of i want to make a character and i kind of give him the idea of i wanted to do a criminal in between two fbi agents and i just gave him like a rough outline of what i was thinking and that's all it took for him to give me a go i had to kind of finish off detox
3: i had no consulting whatsoever he <laughs> <laughs> just threw it out there and they're like fine
1: yeah and i don't uh when making the character i don't put too many stipulations on it, other than it, it does need to fit certain parameters. So, for instance, we had to make a connection, like, why are these jo- jackalopes even working together? Okay, makes sense that Roy would be in with Jack, you know, that sort but of that thing.
3: But that was we it,
2: really that was it
1: yeah and generally we're able to do that without help yep we just know we need to but as far as the backstories, nothing really like i let you guys pick all your picadillos and fears and scars and, and things like that and as long as they don't go crazy with certain um powers or skills or anything like that then i'm fine with it i don't he didn't let me make roy immortal that's true i I didn't didn't let you do that for whatever reason
0: roll for immortality
1: and only because of the frequency thus far of matt's characters dying then i I worked more closely with him because it's been a challenge to insert his new character into the ongoing storyline here's a good one from many lost hours how in depth was the arroyo family history worked out was it a collaboration between matt and gabe alone or was jeremy involved I mean, Matt was barely even involved.
3: I was going to
0: say, the Arroyo family is all game. I just inserted their brother as the character.
3: I'll explain my thinking process with the Arroyo family. I don't write anything down, ever. I just have these ideas in my head and throw them out into episodes sometimes and hope they don't contradict themselves. <laughs> and whenever I'm trying to write something post-mortem whatever it needs to be. If I'm trying, like I'm working on a Patreon episode that we're going to record one day, finally, I just kind of scrounge through all the old ones and try and make sure that I, that I'm remembering it right. But I also know that if I get it wrong, that that could be funny as well. So it doesn't really matter. So I basically have an outline for what I think the history of the Arroyos
1: is. And as long as I don't break that mold i'm okay altheos wants to know from me how did father summers end up knowing so much about the investigators past that's sort of a uh hand of god moment right i needed something and really that we're talking about the game at the end i just thought it would be like super cool to have this person just suddenly know things about you guys to be honest when i wrote it i just thought This will just simply be cool. But as I went on, I'm like, well, this actually is, that's a question that needs to be answered, which we can then do later on. So I I sort of keep pushing off this future stuff, planting the seeds about why these things happen. I don't know right now why Father Lee Summers knew so much about these guys, other than, you know, he's clearly in touch with Dagon and and that sort of thing, and they have their network of uh, information. And Dan. Yeah, and Dan, of course. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Dan would be a good font of information. Information, presuming that Dan was working with or under the sway of uh, the Dagon cultists, so th- there's many ways that it could have gone uh, come about. I just thought it'd be cool to spring on the uh, investigators <laughs> to 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 know all this stuff. Like you know, it just like freaked. Them. I I was just trying as a keeper to freak them out a little bit, and I think to some extent it worked. Or at least at the very least, it sowed confusion, which may not be great.
2: I have a question for Matt. What were your first thoughts when you crested? At the top of the mountain, and saw Dan.
0: When I first saw my former self, my um, <laughs> first thought it was, "Great, this might end up being a really awkward one-sided conversation between me and myself." Uh, if Rocky and Dan started talking, that that would have been really interesting for me to try and pull off. I was really kind of in my head, again, trying to plan those initial reactions just in case, you know, it was the real Dan and I was going to have to do something. I wanted to kind of have a a rough generalization of where I wanted to to take it and how I was going to try and explain things and stuff like that. So I just immediately went into, like, emergency planning mode on how is this going to work.
2: Now, do you believe that that was really Dan?
3: Think about it for, like, 65 minutes and get back to us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was.
0: I mean, it certainly looked like him, but I honestly don't think he would intentionally do anything to to harm or hurt anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he really does want Sam back, but he knows that She would never forgive him if he ended up causing mass mayhem and destruction for her. Or at least that's how he sees her memory. So, Gabe, what would you put on Roy's tombstone? Or if you plan to have him cremated, would you have him sprinkled across the floor of the Larson Factory?
3: It's absolutely foolish of you to only give me two options, because we all know that Roy dies. He's getting buried at sea, like a real warrior. But if I had to put a tombstone... Pepperoni. It would clearly state Double cheese. Roy Arroyo, a great man with great visions for the future of screen door kind. Also, he was a father, but like really small on like the bottom of the tombstone.
0: <laughs> and He might have had some kids, I don't know.
3: Alright, uh, Gabe, you got a question for Brian? How did it feel being the odd man out in this scenario as someone who had the least history amongst the three of us with each other?
2: I liked it, because I could play off of both of you. I thought it was cool, but Roy, and. I I had that, or Roy and Jack had that relationship. You know the the experiences that we've gone through. Um, Rocky was coming in as a straight laced, bit nothing but business. So I was able to pull because that's where that character kind of goes towards. Jack goes towards the business. I pulled, I pulled him as he pulled Dan, and then Dan pulled. To get a, <laughs> tug of war so it was fun i thought it was a it was a good time definitely was a different dynamic because you guys could just go off for hours if if you could if you could have you know what i mean i really hoped he would give us one episode to do that (laughs) i had to be that voice that would speak up over top and keep everybody on task and go and normally i don't have to do that we usually Jeremy does that but (laughs) so it was kind of fun to to to, to, like guys we gotta focus here we gotta get to the top we gotta you know Many Lost Hours wants to know from me will there be any chase scenes in the next scenario
1: or will you have a revolt on your hands The short answer is I don't know yet, but probably not. I, I think this was uh, Chapter 8 was a scenario that I wanted as many different facets of the rules and, and scenarios and situations to happen. And uh, that just happened to be a chase sequence. And now that we've had a couple, I think maybe it's time to take a little rest. But I don't know. We'll see if, if it props if up. If there's a we'll truck in that, it, so. we
2: probably will.
1: Uh, many Lost Stars also wants to know from Matt... I'm going to give you two questions here. How many characters have you made for the next scenario? Three. And were you happy with how Jeremy played Declan, or were there any times where he was used not how you developed him?
0: Well, I kind of explained earlier that he was very much played in like the opposite use of which I originally had him intended. He was not ever meant to be a big wall of muscle. He was meant to be the thin, wiry, smart, alecky, quick-talking con guy. And he's Irish, not Scottish.
2: Does that bother you?
0: Yes, very much so.
3: Do
1: you hate the Scottish? Is that what you're telling us? All right. Here's a, here's a quick little question from Bifford. I like this one a lot. Uh, the impossible question: If you had to choose between the other two, which would you save and which would you sacrifice?
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely kill. I would definitely kill Rocky. Not hard at all. Now I would
0: kill Rocky only because it's Matt's character,
3: and Rocky would also <laughs> kill Rocky. I'm just going
0: to go ahead and say I'd kill myself since that's apparently what everyone wants. I will commit Sudoku. It's okay.
2: I'd probably sacrifice. Jack would sacrifice himself to save them. I think. Well, that wasn't the question, though. You got to choose. I chose.
0: Fuck Mary, kill Rocky, Roy, Jack. Go.
1: <laughs> Jack, yeah. would fuck us. Tug of war, single man. Me and my tentacle. <laughs> From Mitch, Mitch Larkins, what was the answer to Declan's question? Did he have a chance to survive? Well, the, the short answer for that, uh, Mitch, is, of course, no, because it was a plot point that I purposely wrote and since I was playing the NPC, then it had to transpire in this way. So there was no free will there. It, that, that was simply to push the buttons of hopefully Rocky, who, did, who didn't necessarily respond in the extreme fashion I had hoped he would. That was it. And, and of course, the answer to Declan's question, I, I can't quite answer that yet, because there might be some mm-hmm. stuff coming up that I can't quite divulge. Heartless bastard. Matt, did you catch the part where he you said you're bad at your job? Mitch also asks, what was up with Roy's creepy adopted daughter exactly. To lay the cards on the table, Mitch, that was one of our wonderful patrons who got to pick an NPC, name an NPC, but of course I take it a couple steps further and I say, I contact this person and say, let's develop this character together. So we we had some back and forth and basically created this character and thought it would just be hilarious fun. It was really a comedic element. And again, I don't necessarily know that she's out of the picture. So I can't say too much about that, but because I, I do sort of have plans for her, but I feel, I feel like we developed her kind of simply at the beginning but she got way more complicated towards the end. And I I think that's a good thing. I really liked playing that character and I'd like to see it developed beyond. So we'll we'll find out in the future. Yeah, I was going to say, I
3: didn't know it was a Patreon character, so I hope I didn't kill your feelings too bad by changing its name. I like pudding. The fact, that I didn't know it was a Patreon character shows
1: you how little information he tells <laughs> us. Biff says uh, she is Dagon. Dagon likes pudding? Everybody knows that. Lady Seed asks... I've recently finished the two Innsmouth legacy books out by Ruthanna Emerys. Her series takes a look at the fear and prejudice inherent in H.P. Lovecraft's works and explores the other side of it. It follows one of the two survivors of the government's raid on Innsmouth and her journey to reconcile her loss and make tremulous allies of the government that slaughtered her people and now want to utilize her magic. Would you and the investigators be interested in teaming up with one of the sentient races in the mythos to achieve a shared goal?
3: Yeah, I would. I will team up with anything for any reason. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want the shroom
3: zombies.
0: Rocky wouldn't be happy about it, but if he was told that he had to do it by his superiors, he would do it anyway.
1: Because he's racist. So we could be like uh, sort of an enemy mine. Yeah. Uh, what's the other movie? Uh, Alienation. Yep. That would be really super, super cool. Like, we've never considered anything like no, that. No, that
2: would be really, really cool. Okay,
1: so if one of the characters dies, could they come back as... Or could their new character be a Mythos-type right creature, you know, or, you know, something uh, masquerading as a human.
0: I'll get right on that.
1: There's an inherent drama there.
2: And there's always that note that that trust issue. There's always going to be that trust issue. That that would be cool to play off of.
1: It would also give us a platform to explore sociological situations that are relevant to today. Can you imagine if uh Detox came back as the goo creature? Oh. Many lost hours asks me, are there plans for any Lovecraft tales to set up the new characters or plot. And yes, I typically do the prologue and the epilogue are both uh, fictional components. So those I utilize as my Lovecraft tales. I haven't had a whole lot of feedback on whether or not people like the old way of the Lovecraft tales, where I would interject these little stories in in between the episodes. It was kind of a, uh, a device. If we were running behind on our scheduling and couldn't get episodes recorded, it was rather easier for me to uh, just write 500 words and record them real quick and zap that as a Tales. So that may happen. I haven't uh, ruled it out. We just have to kind of see is is there a demand for that? I think we've done two scenarios now where we've done the Epilogue Prologue, and it works pretty well. Okay, so Biff says he loves the uh, Lovecraft Tales. So maybe I'll try to interject that uh, this coming season. For me, it is fun, but it is kind of a vanity thing, too, because those Tales only peripherally added flavor to the tale but didn't were designed as such to not influence the current scenario directly the other problem with that was i was maybe giving a little bit too much information that i wanted the listeners to know about but not the players right. and there's no way for me to prevent the players from listening to these after tales. the lawsuit
2: there's no way to prevent us
1: it was always a uh, a tightrope that I had to walk to make sure that I wasn't divulging too much of the current episode. So I'll have to rethink how I want to do that. But and I appreciate the feedback via chat, guys. All
2: right, uh, Brian, you got a question I do, for somebody for you? Uh, so what's going to happen next? Uh, I won't tell anybody. Just let me know.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll whisper it. I'll whisper it.
2: So Jack Whiteside, this is ASMR. Oh God, I'm not going to be on this podcast anymore then. <laughs> Right now I'm gonna eat a cheese. <laughs> no, <sandwich. laughs> I can't stand that sound. Okay, real question. Um, did you have to make any drastic changes as we moved up the mountain? Was there a potential for all of us to die before we got to the top?
1: Yes. Don't don't elaborate. I made no changes. <laughs> the danger was there, it was inherent. I thought I was a goner. Everybody felt it, even the listeners chimed in. They they were very stressed out too. And I certainly was, and I know you guys certainly were at certain points. The lava wasn't chasing them up the mountain. Right. It was it was just a representation of of, you know, they were dodging things. So we had to kind of simplify the mechanics of it.
2: Well, it could have been coming out from under our feet, though, you know, the side of the mountain, you know, that's what I thought of when I was like, you have to get up. Go, go, go.
0: Physics be damned. Here on the Lovecraft tapes we have anti-gravity lava.
2: <laughs> uh Matt, you got something?
0: I do for Brian. I don't want to. At the end of the last chapter, you were the one who took the initiative to push what might have been or might not have been Dan into the, the waters of the lake. So do you think there's any kind of connection between that you the fact that you were the only person to have an interaction with Dan and you ending up in Dan's body? Do you think there's some sort of connection there? Like was that interaction what caused you to end up in that body?
2: Well I do now. Jackass. No, I, I have not thought of that. Um, my only thought at that time as the character was to save you guys because he's like, I'm not Dan's not here right now. And I'm like, oh shit. My first reaction was just to shove him off of there and try to save you guys. That, that was it. But now that I'm thinking about it, you jerk. <laughs> that's probably what happened i should have pushed him into you (laughs) then you could have played yourself playing yourself what i've been a dude disguised as a dude disguised as another dude yeah that's that that's that's i wasn't even thinking of it but that's all i'll be thinking of now for the next couple weeks
1: thanks for the
3: (laughs) idea uh gabe for matt so do you just like when you create characters is it now part of your intention to make them someone i would hate or is that just (laughs) how you are naturally as a person be honest
0: no, honestly, when I make a character, I make a person that I think is going to be interesting. When it comes to, like, mixing up the dynamics of the group, I look for something that's going to be fun for me to play. And I look for something that's going to be fun for the audience to to listen to.
2: When's that going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm, just, I'm kidding. So mean. He knows I'm kidding. He puts a lot of work into his characters.
3: He puts a lot of work into making sure that they're the <laughs> adverse of me.
0: I'm pretty sure you were the one who originally made the joke about or pushed to make it an Arroyo brother. So. I think you're right.
3: <laughs> Why? when I originally made the
1: idea, though, I wanted it to be two Roy Arroyos <laughs> working <It's> together
3: <laughs> to annoy Jack.
1: Uh, Many Lost Hours uh, asks me, Rocky seemed to have some knowledge of spells but couldn't use it. So do you put any restrictions on new player characters? We kind of already answered this. And uh, no, I don't really put any kind of restrictions. Um, And I'm not sure that Rocky had spells specifically, right? You you have knowledge of encounters and things like that, but I don't think you have any spells, do you?
0: Working in the company has given him knowledge of magic and what it is and how it operates, but he can't himself do any kind of magic stuff yet i mean maybe at some point in the future it'll come up but but as of now it's just he knows of it and how it works but he can't manipulate that in, in, in
2: any way himself jack, jack had a spell and i was going to use it if i could get close enough but i it never happened
1: this would be for gabe this is a very pertinent question i'm gabe <laughs> if roy was a wrestler in wwe raw etc what would his signature move be and why
3: oh boy he'd be a hardcore wrestler obviously because you know extreme rules is fun so i think what would happen there is he would use this the the empathy he's built up with the screen doors to get a pass to be able to break the screen door over someone's head with the understanding that once the match ends he will be tending to it
2: got to do those repairs yo backstage pass sales are uh, skyrocketing to watch him fix that screen door
3: <laughs> yeah it'd be like a it'd be like a oh i have no concern for my opponent
1: but this inanimate object is very important to me <laughs> here's one that's similar this is for all you guys this is an amazing question from chris parker it requires a little bit of thought from you guys so i want you to really think about this thought no this is for chris this is for all the money all of it if your investigators had their own intro walk-up
2: music what would it be The theme from Stardew Valley would be mine. How's that go? I don't know. But it's nice. It's mellow.
0: Something in the realm of, like, James Bond. It's, like, generic, like, spy music, obviously.
3: It'd be With a Gun by Steely Dan.
2: Roy has got a gun. You could use Aerosmith, too, if you'd like.
3: I don't want to (laughs) use
1: Aerosmith for anything. Quizzic had a a soul-searching one here, too, that was uh, pretty interesting. To me, how much do you implement and explore your own fears and phobias When writing a scenario for the players, have there been any themes by now that have come alive in the actual play from your own fears? To be isolated, alone, in a strange situation where there's a shadow. I throw a lot of shadows at you guys. Yeah.
0: Throwing shade, man.
1: When I had you guys wake up and there was like a presence in the room.
0: Santa! Oh, there were presents in the room. Oh boy, (laughs) it's Christmas!
1: When I was young, I would say maybe, let's say 10, 10 or 11 and we lived in Florida. It was Easter. Easter morning. Of course, you're waiting for the Easter bunny to come. My brother and I were, and not Brian, my other brother Jesse, and I were laying in the dark. And I woke up, it's pre-dawn. Maybe it's like 5 a.m., something like that. So a little bit of light coming through the uh through the screens and whatnot. But so I can see directly into the uh living room. And in the living room was a head on the coffee table. I can just see the outline of the head. And I'm like, it must be something else. You know, you're 10 or 11. It's the dark. You're half asleep. And I'm like looking, looking. And it's like just that weird, you know, when you get that feeling like something isn't quite right. And that shape isn't exactly what you think it is. And then the head swiveled toward me and looked straight at me. And I dove underneath the covers and I was scared shitless and the whole thing. So that kind of plays into the investigators when they have these dreams and they wake up and they see these shadowy shapes. I, I think that's sort of my fears and phobias. Like there's no worse feeling to wake up and there's like somebody standing there right next to your bed. It's the worst, creepiest thing, even if it can be explained or like your spouse got up or your mom and dad came in, whatever.
2: Or if it's your daughter that's standing next to your bed and says, daddy, and you scream at her because you're terrified when you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah, that happens.
1: Uh, this is a quick and easy one from many Lost Hours. Will there be any 1920 scenarios or one shots coming up? Uh, we have nothing planned. It's not something that we've ruled out particularly as a one-shot, I wouldn't think that there would be any opportunity, at least in the foreseeable future, for the main storyline to be a 1920s, unless I want to do some retro Genesis story of uh, (coughs) Roy Arroyo's great-great-grandpa or something. But (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. But a one-shot is not ruled out for sure, because we're always looking for something to break up the monotony and something to throw to our patrons. Do you guys have any questions left?
2: Uh, I've got one left for Gabe as a player, so not your character as a player. Would you still have made that same choice of kid to sacrifice? Probably wouldn't have
3: because I didn't think about it, because I wasn't even thinking. I probably would have just gone with one of the mutes, because they don't matter. I had to do it fast, because I wanted it to be funny, so I just said the first name that I could think of that wasn't like Raymond or something. I don't even know the mu- the mute's names <laughs> offhand, so, you know. Okay. So, for Jeremy how much research on Tristan's Dakuna did you do or did you just
1: make everything up no, I did uh, extensive research. I read their wiki. I watched videos of people who went to Tristan Cunha uh, because it is a, not necessarily a tourist destination, but a sort of like a pinnacle if you're an adventurer. You have to get to this place because it's so hard to get to. And to me, that was very important to know that and to get a real feel for the landscape. And, and that's how I came up with like the, the ramshackle buildings that look kind of like warehouses um, with just metal siding and so forth. You can actually go online and see videos taken at this place it looks very nice it's very idyllic you know sort of like countryside it's also like some place I can't imagine ever visiting or living (laughs) how freaking creepy is that that you know there actually was a volcano eruption yeah Quizzic says, what inspired you all to make a podcast like this? Was it just for kicks or did you set out with the mindset that you will make it into something? And how much has this success surprised you?
0: This podcast is my long-term life
2: plan. I We did it all for the m- m- glory the- of love. M- 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 I can't even say it. Uh, no, we just did it to, to keep really to keep in touch and to play a game. We all get so busy this made us take time out to have fun. And then it, it turned into something a lot more than that, I think, personally. And I'm blown away all the time by people talking about us and, and, uh, and meeting people that have heard of our podcast. And it's really, really cool. And it's, it's fun to know that we are entertaining for somebody and that, uh, we can put, put something out that people want to listen to. I want to listen to it, you know, every, every week I look forward to it as well.
0: I think I'm—I don't know how many people out there that are listening. I know I think I'm the only one in this group, but Critical Role has always been kind of an inspiration for me. Just seeing how much fun—it's It's a really great way to show people just how much fun tabletop RPGs can really be when you when you get into it. And when you really, like, lean into story and character— and that, that I know that was a big inspiration for me and a, a big point of I watched these people for so long. I was like, you know what? I kind of want to try this. So when the opportunity came along to do this this podcast and have an excuse to regularly play uh, a tabletop role-playing game, I was all for it. And it's really great to see just, just how far we've come and how much support we have. And I mean, because everybody... At, at least you know at some point in their life is like hey let's do a podcast because it's it's something that's so easy and cheap to do that you kind of go well you know we'll we'll give it a shot and there's a chance that it's just gonna end up being us listening to ourselves for all eternity all eternity yes (laughs) Jesus For Christ. all eternity. I've got to get going, guys. <laughs> so to see people enjoying what we're doing is is really humbling. When it's just you and your friends, it's always fun and entertaining and you always find each other funny. But to know that there are other people out there that enjoy the things that we do and our, our humor and our brand is, is really, really awesome.
3: I obviously came late to the party because George found success in life, so he gave this up. But I've always done the the whole tabletop RPG games thing which I'm going to put them on blast and say that uh, I want in the future Patreon episodes where we use our characters in non-Call of Cthulhu games, Vampire the Masquerade, just saying when Brian was like, oh, hey, we play Lovecraft, Call of Cthulhu, rpg and we put it in a podcast i was like okay yeah i'll do that not even really thinking about the podcast ep- aspect just because i wanted to play it because i you know i've been busier so i haven't had as much time as i used to do it and now this like brian says this forces us to do it all the time so so it's like a death march
2: yeah God. yeah <laughs> Forces you to have fun, because t- the minute we all get on here and we start talking, we click, and we're ready to go, and it's 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 a great time. It's a lot of fun.
0: But only because we have to have
2: Yes, yeah, it's mandatory. It's in the bylaws. <laughs> the
0: beatings will continue <laughs> until morale improves.
2: I still don't know why
3: we
1: have fans, but I'm glad we do. Chris Parker says, there's so much that goes into playing an investigator in search of the truth from rooting through old files for clues to finessing info from locals to shooting the odd creature or phone from someone's hand Uh, which aspect of investigation is your favorite
2: i think this last time digging through files and and gathering information and i think i really enjoyed that a lot Uh, that was fun with finding the the letters on the back of every item and tying that all together and Finding the map down underneath and deciphering what that meant. I thought that was really cool for me. It, it Better this than brute force, which is usually what we do. <laughs> Do-do-do-do-cap-cap.
0: I really enjoyed the role playing aspect, uh, the whole social point of being able to put yourself into different situations as a different person and to be able to do things that you could never be able to do in real life. And I think that I love the social aspect of investigating and, you know, having to question people and are they telling the truth or are they leaving something out or, you know, what, is, what do they mean when they say this is, is a lot of fun for me, is trying to t- untangle the web, the, the, the web that people weave.
3: My favorite part is the, uh, the just ability, like when we have to talk to random NPCs because i've always been a big talker and uh never had that many people who want to listen because i kind of go on for a long time and now i have this controlled environment where jeremy has to create unique characters that have to (laughs) listen to me and they also i get to have interactions that i would probably never be able to have in the current age where no one really wants to talk to anybody so it's a lot
1: of fun Alright, last question for the evening. Quizzic wants to know, who or what inspired the character you are currently playing? And when it comes to character creation, where do you look for inspiration?
2: I wanted something for Jack Whiteside that was uh, had a dark past to make him who he was. Uh, like that, you're chasing the hero aspect to be better than where you came from. That's what got me into researching witchcraft and voodoo and, and stuff like that. And, and experiencing some of that as a child, coming from that into the FBI where you had a little bit more resources to pull and push
0: rocky before he was an Arroyo brother just kind of straight out started up as the spy master is where i wanted him as i wanted him to be you know maybe one or two levels above the investigators and kind of like manipulating them around a little bit and then it kind of came down to to where it is now to where he's he has you know a degree of an edge over the other two based because of his, his knowledge of the mystical and the occult and that kind of Training, But in some aspects, he's just as clueless as everyone else is, and I think that's a, a really fun place to be and a really fun uh, line to walk.
1: So your inspiration was Spy Kids. Got it.
0: Specifically, Spy Kids 3D Game Over.
3: I've said it before... But, uh, so this was my first character I've created on public platform, and I mean, over my lifetime, I've probably, I've created hundreds of characters for hundreds of different things because I like to just make things, and storytelling has always been a lot of fun for me. But being that this really was my first character in a public platform, I just kind of went with the wrestler approach, where you take who you are and dial that up to eleven, which yep. I know that might be scary to some of you To know that a person <laughs> like Roy might exist out in the real world Gabe's just had a ten and a half So he had to amp him up to eleven I kind of just made me And made him louder and more impulsive That's the way I took it And I've just been rolling with it I'm a pretty brash individual And I say what I want to say and do what I want to do It's my body A lot of people I know say that um, that's a lot of fun to be around And it's a lot of fun to see So I figured it'd be a lot of fun for people to listen to as
1: well Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you download your regular podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile... You can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendos and social media channels, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server, where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecrafttapes.
0: And if anybody wants to spit any more character ideas at me just so I'm ready for the next scenario, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid.
1: And if
3: anybody that have ever ran into me in the past wants to criticize me for my actions, you can find me at LovecraftGabe.
2: And if anybody wants to see everything that I like and retweet, <laughs> you can find me at PrimePuckets.
1: All right. Well, until next time, roll for ASMR. No!
2: gross the lovecraft tapes podcast is copyright 2019 for more information and sponsorship opportunities
0: please send email to podcast at the lovecrafttapes.com support the lovecraft tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash Tapes.